Welcome to the Cochrane Community Church Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us, and we look forward to how Jesus will impact your life through this message. See, at Cochrane Community Church, our mission is simple. We want to share the love of Jesus so that our families, our community, the next generation, and the world will know Him as Savior. And this means that we strive to be a loving, Christ-centered community of believers. We just want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to tune into this episode. And at this time, please sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode. Uh, That's so dramatic, isn't it? I said that last week, but guess what? We just sang about all that, didn't we? We just sang about being raised from the ashes. We just sang about uh, being able to trust in God to get us to the other side of whatever it is that we're going through. And that's really what this series is about. This series is about not not, uh, about being able to um, just trust God to destroy things in our life that we need to get rid of. And to be able to move forward. And here we are in week two of our series. It's called, as you just saw, From the Ashes. And I want to start by reminding you what the premise is of uh, the series that we're doing. Look at this. It says this. Our lives can sometimes feel like a pile of ashes. Okay? We can be broken, shattered, destroyed. And maybe we know someone who is, who feels that way. The good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is that we can experience new life and have our lives raised from the ashes. And I love that. Or what, whatever it is that's holding us back. Or what has us feeling defeated. What is it that you, you need God to intervene in your life and raise you up out of it and get you to the other side of it. And we'll be in this series until uh, it's going to take us up to and including Easter Sunday, uh, which is good. And I heard from many of you last week that the Word of God really spoke to you concerning temptation. And I hope that uh, you did your little homework that you had at the end of your printout last week, uh, and you were able to learn and to realize and to think through how we can defeat temptation by quoting the Word of God back to, uh, by quoting the Word of God at Satan as we're (laughs) being tempted, like Jesus in the desert. And what was funny is that last week, some of you were so tempted by little chocolate bars that were meant for orphans in India, you ate them anyway, okay? You ate them anyway, because chocolate is tempting, And uh, so last week we looked at, uh, was temptation. And this week we're going to talk about humility. How being humble can go a long way to help us get to the other side of uh, ashes of a broken life. To defeat pride. Pride brings us down. Pride needs defeated. Pride is ashes that can hold us back from living the life that God has in store for us to live And here's a story. And I don't know if this is folklore or not. You can take it for whatever you want. But uh, back during the Revolutionary War, there was a log across the road that people used a lot to travel on their horse and wagons and whatever. There was a log across the road. And a current, uh, I'm sorry, a corporal in the army was having uh, two of his uh, uh, privates Move the log. The log was huge and they couldn't do it by themselves. And the corporal standing there going, come on, move the log, move the log. You know, uh, throwing his authority around. And some guy rides up on a horse and he can't get through because the log's in the way. And he says, hey, uh, uh, it looks like you need some help. And he looks at the corporal and he says, why aren't you helping? And he goes, why would I help? I'm the corporal. 
they are the lowly private, so they need to be moving the log. Come on, guys, move the log. So this guy jumps off his horse. He says, fine, I'll do it. He jumps off his horse. The three of them are able to pick up the log and move it out of the way. And General George Washington gets back on his horse and is able to pass through because he humbled himself enough to be able to move that log. Now, that's the story of George Washington's humility. You can uh, know if that's folklore or if that was true. It was written as if it was a true story. But it does show us humility, doesn't it? A great example of humility, which is what we're talking about today. And if if you stop for a minute and think in your own life, either here or you watching at home, who do you know that is just the humblest person in the world? Who do you know? We all know somebody, don't we? Because, oh my gosh, if you want to talk about humility, their name is in the dictionary next. Their picture is in the dictionary next to the word humility. We all know somebody, don't we? Somebody comes to mind. Who has shown extreme humility toward you? Now, I know that we talked about humility in the Beatitudes series, and you're going, oh, he's talking about humility again, honey. Doesn't he ever change his subjects? But here, it's different. The humility we talked about in the Beatitudes series was more vertical, and this is horizontal. When we talked about uh, blessed are the meek, it was about those who understand their lowliness and their sin state. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about humility in a different way. And humility is a choice. We either choose to be humble or we choose to be proud. Which is it? Which is it? Look at this. When we choose humility, we can be lifted out of the ashes and bondage of pride. That's what we're talking about. And look more like Jesus to this hurting world around us. Oh my word. Couldn't humility go a long way today? Especially from believers. Humility can go a long way. It will go a long way. There is no room for pride. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, if you would. Those of you at home will have these on the screen as well. And for you in here, we'll have the verses on the screen. But I would prefer that you have a Bible with you. And that you open it up. And that you find the scripture. Philippians in there. So that would be great if you would do that. So we're looking at Philippians chapter 2. Let me give you a little bit of a background. Philippi was a Roman colony. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy are attributed to starting the Christian church there. And as usual, what do we talk about every time we look at one of these letters? They're bickering. They can't figure stuff out. They're not sure how this whole new Christianity thing works. They're being uh, persecuted from people outside the church. I mean, you have to realize this is a pagan pagan uh, culture around them. So they're having disagreements. And Paul writes this letter to that to them about all of this stuff. And then in chapter 1, we're going to be in chapter 2, but in chapter 1, he talks about advancing the gospel while in chains because he's in prison. Talk about humility. And he's witnessing to all the guards and everything, and they all know that he's a Christian, and he's telling them how they should conduct their lives worthy of the gospel. Now, this isn't on the screen, but I'm going to read this to you. If you look at chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, Paul says this, Whatever happens, remember he's in chains. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's keep that in the back of our minds, okay? It's not on the screen. It's not in your notes. You could write it in your notes if you want. That's uh, Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then he continues that theme in chapter 2, which is where we're going to be today. So we're going to skip down to chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 3. Here's Paul talking to the church. 
and Philippi. You got the theme. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Let's stop there. That's pretty straightforward. Simple enough, isn't it? I mean, he said in uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves worthy in a manner of the gospel. And then he says that. He says, you know, hey, uh, in humility, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition. In humility, all of that stuff. It's easy. He says, don't be selfish. Don't be conceited. Look out for the interests of others. It's not easy, but it's easy to understand what he's saying. Don't look just out for yourself. Be humble, which is our theme for today. But then if you read the next verse, let's read verse 5. Look, he takes it a step further Look in this verse 5. So he says, humility, you know, look out to the interests of others. And he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We're going to stop there. Oh, okay. I get it now. Oh, just have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. I got it. That's, we got that. We can do that, right? This is our key verse for today. Having the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Key verse for all that follows in our passage that we're looking at. But let's consider this first. Okay? The church is harassed by strife, plagued by arrogance. And Paul says, in your relationships with one another. In your relationships. The NIV, the New International Version says, have the same mindset. Okay? Like the New Living Translation says, have the same attitude. But let's think about what Paul's getting at here. I want you to see this. The sentence is important because it sets up the whole next section that we're looking at. I told you that already. But here's what's interesting about this. I love this. It's not a call to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Rather, it's about a response to what Jesus has already done inside of you. Make sense? He says, have the same mindset. He doesn't say, imitate Jesus' stuff the way he does it. You do it too. No. Have the same mindset, internal, attitude. He says, you have the same attitude or mindset as a response, not as an imitation. Not as an imitation. When I was six, my parents decided to send me to piano lessons because, you know, I just kind of took to the piano. We had one in our house. So they decided to send me to piano lessons. So I'm six years old, right? They sent me to Mr. Voit. Oh, I said Mr. They sent me to Mr. Voitko's house for piano le- <laughs> piano lessons, and it was two dollars for a half hour. And uh, they would drop me off at this old man's house, and I was only six. Can you imagine doing that today? It's like, and they would drive away and leave me there. And so I would go there, and I would take piano lessons. But he would set the the the, the beginner music down in front of me, and. Um, he would play it first, the song that we were working on. And I had a really good ear. I didn't really connect with uh, reading music. And I never really did after all these years. But he would set it down and he would play it. And I would listen to it. And I'd be able to pick it up. And he'd say, now you play it. You know, but read your music and you play it. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. And I would play it. But I wouldn't really be reading my music. I was imitating what I had seen him do. But after a while, after lessons, after years of lessons and years of practicing, it became second nature for me to uh, play the piano like that. It was a natural response of spending time in front of the piano. You see what I'm saying? So I didn't have to, I didn't have to imitate Mr. Voitko anymore. It became natural to me. 
And when we have Jesus in our life, and I mean total saturation as a follower of Jesus, our behavior becomes natural. It's not imitation. And that's what Paul is saying here. It's all part of the process of spiritual growth. And that's the key passage that we're looking at. And you have it at the top of your outline. I must have the same mindset as Christ in my relationships with others. Must have the key mindset as Christ in my relationship with others. What is that? Oh, I said that a minute ago. Oh, that's it. I just got to have the same mindset as Jesus. I got that down. That's easy. Is that, what he, is that what he's talking about? And I love this section of scripture we're going to get into. This is known as a hymn. They call it a hymn. And one author said that it's one of the most significant depictions of Jesus in the New Testament. I never heard it put that way. And I was intrigued by that. It's, listen to this. This is the Bible for you guys. Are you getting this? You guys at home, do you know this? The Bible, look at this. It has rich vocabulary, poetic elements. And this little section, this, this uh, hymn that we're going to read can almost stand alone all by itself and tell us the story of Jesus. It talks of Jesus at the height of his glory and the depths of his humanity. It is serious theology. We're going to look at it verse by verse. Okay, you ready? You guys ready? Yeah, okay. Verse 6. Remember, he said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, well, what is that? Then he goes on to tell us. Look at this. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Very nature God. Jesus is God in the flesh, correct? Right? He's God in the flesh. We know he's part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know he's both God and man. When he was on this earth, he was man. And and Paul says, being God, having all the attributes of God at his fingertips, he didn't take advantage of it. He could have. Remember last week? Satan's going, turn those stones into bread. I know you're starving. And Jesus is like, no. But he could have. He could have. He could have jumped off the temple and saved himself. He could have. He had all that power at his fingertips, but he never took advantage of it. Jesus wept. Jesus walked and talked. Jesus was born in a stable, right? He's he's human. And here it is for us. Look at this. To have the humble mindset of Jesus, number one, I do not use my position, whatever that looks like for you, to my advantage. I do not use my position to my advantage. And if you're taking notes, you can write down, this is humble renunciation. I wish I would have put that on there, but I didn't. He renounces who he is in reality and humility. Humble renunciation. Now, we've either experienced this, the bad side of somebody's pride or not being humble, Or maybe we participated in it. Maybe that's been us. Maybe we have used our position to our advantage. Maybe you had a boss who's used his or her authority unfairly over you. Maybe you've used your your authority unfairly over others. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
It's like moms and dads. Because I said so. Is that unfair? I don't know. <laughs> Why do you want me to do that, mom? Because I said so. How many of you parents, how many of you have said that? Go ahead. No lying in this room. Jesus is, Jesus is watching. Yeah, we've all said that. Hey, is that unfair? Unfair? I don't think so. Because I said so. I don't owe you an explanation. So we don't want to use our position to our advantage. Over in Akron, the church that I grew up in and then eventually worked at part-time, it was a pretty big church, so we had concerts. We'd bring in some, some pretty big-name Christian artists would come there because the, the sanctuary was really big. So we had some big-name Christian artists that would come in there. And uh, one year, the music director, Mike, a friend of mine, he's the one that would set up all these concerts. He would hire, you know, he would go to the agent or whatever and hire who he needed and set up all the details and everything. We'd have a couple of these a year, and they would sell out. They were huge, right? So one day, he, uh, one time he hires one of the most famous, if not the famous, quartet in the Christian music industry, which I shall not name. One of the most famous quartets in the Christian industry, but I won't name them. And so Mike has to go pick them up at the airport. And uh, he has a van or something. He goes to pick them up at the airport, Cleveland Hopkins Airport. They come out, and right away, one of the members, trying to be funny, because one of their members always tried to be funny, said to them, said to him, hey, driver boy, get the luggage, put it in the back, driver boy. And so Mike got their luggage and put it in the back of the van. And he kept saying, come on, driver boy. We need to get down to the church. Let's go, driver boy. So uh, they're driving. And, and then one of the guys in the quartet says, we should stop at Cracker Barrel and get something to eat. He's like, driver boy, pull over to Cracker Barrel, get something to eat. Now, this is Mike, the, uh, the, the, the worship pastor of this big church, you know, and he's being treated this way. Not that that means a whole lot, but just the way he's being belittled. So they go to Cracker Barrel, and they pull in, and the quartet decides, you know, they're all going to get out and go eat. Mike, uh, what am I going to do for two hours, you know, so, or an hour? So Mike gets out of the van as well, and he goes, ah, 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 no driver boy. You stay in the van. We're going to go eat. And I'll tell you what, all the way all the way to the church, they, he called him driver boy. And that, my friends, was shameful. That was shameful. You see, humility starts with the imitation of Jesus. But it must become natural behavior because of our transformation. It must become natural because of the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It must be natural. Look at this, number seven, verse 7. Okay, remember, he didn't use the fact that he was God to his advantage. Number seven, verse 7 says, Rather, instead of doing that, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Okay. Rather, everything at his fingertips. Anything he wanted at his fingertips. Number two, I make myself nothing. And become a servant. And we could call that humble incarnation if you want to write that down. So we have humble renunciation and humble incarnation, which I didn't put in your notes. So how did he do this? How did he make himself a servant? What's, he ta- what's Paul talking about here? He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. We just talked about that kind of a little bit ago. But he stepped out of heaven, number one. He stepped out of heaven. 
One author said that he veiled his deity, but he did not void his deity. Is that cool? He walked away from his glorious existence in heaven. And the Greek word that, that, that's used here is emptied himself. I think there's a whole theological debate on the whole emptied himself thing. And we're not going to get into that today. We're not going to get into that. He emptied himself. He let go of all the trappings of God, of being God. And ESV says that he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself as humility. He made himself less than he made, wait, I lost my place there. Wait, 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 wait. He said, making, him, making myself less than I am to be a servant to others. Jesus was subject to his parents. He was subject to the Roman government. Right? He was a carpenter's son. All this stuff. And he finally dies the death of a slave. The death of a criminal. It's like, how low can you go? He went from being in the form of God to being in the form of man just to die as one. Think about that. Make myself nothing, becoming a servant. And we must make ourselves nothing in service to others. What does that look like for you in your life? What does that look like for you in your situation where you sit, you at home, where you work, where you go to school? What does that look like for you? Donna and I are big fans of Galveston, Texas. Galveston, Texas. Galveston is an island. You may have known that. You may not have. But, but uh, we love it there. And it's right off the, the Texas coast in the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, we go there. We try to go there every year. It's kind of like our home away from home. And we've met a lot of people, there are a lot of pastors and stuff there that we've become friends with over the years. And one of the guys that we met, his name is Josh Dorrell. And uh, Josh Dorrell runs a ministry called uh, GUM, Galveston Urban Ministries. And I want to show you a little clip from Josh right here. How can we be a part of this community and make it different? Uh, be a, a community that people want to live in and not get out of. So my wife and I bought a neighborhood, uh, bought a house in this neighborhood. Uh, we've been living here, building relationships and, and loving on our community. I live across the street in the apartments. Uh, probably about three years ago, Josh moved around here. And it was like, who's the white guy? I'm, that's, that's how I was. It was, who's the white guy around here? Then we seen him messing with this building. And we seen him fixing it up and we asked him what it was gonna be. And he was like, I'm trying to open it as a community center, really. Um, one of the biggest detriments to our neighborhoods, we don't have a lot of economic development happening. Neighborhoods like this, or this corner where, that used to have uh, a lounge and restaurant, no longer have any kind of economic um, growth happening at all, um, which causes them people to not care about the community. There's less tax money in the neighborhood, less jobs that have, I guess, uh, livable wages. I used to live in the projects before the storm. To come after the storm and somebody is doing this for our kids, it's cool. Real cool. Yeah, real cool Josh. Left Chicago with his family. Left everything to move to Galveston and Hurricane Ike had hit and that was in 2008. And when you go down there now, you go to a restaurant, you can see a mark, marks on the walls of restaurants. 13 feet is how deep the water got in Galveston. 
And so if you don't have any money and you don't have any insurance, you don't fix anything. You just live in whatever it is that you got. And he went down there to live in one of the poorest neighborhoods in the city that's, that was destroyed by Ike to serve the less fortunate. And what they do there is they rehab houses. They help people get educated, prepared for the workforce. They feed kids. They have kids' activities after school programs. And he lives on a modest salary, raising his kids, mind you, in a crime-ridden, hear a gunshot every now in that neighborhood. And believe me, we've seen it. We've seen it. And it's everything I just said. But it was about Josh Doral making himself nothing and becoming a servant. So is there an area in your life, let's think about that, that you're thinking right now that you throw your authority around just a little too much? Maybe as a boss, maybe as a sibling or a parent or an educator, or maybe you're the other side. Maybe you're one of the lucky ones that finds yourself serving others, that it just comes naturally for you. It doesn't come naturally for me. I have to work at it. I have to think about it. It's the Holy Spirit's working on me. Because why? When we choose humility, when we choose humility, we can be lifted out of the ashes and bondage of pride. And look more like Jesus to this hurting world around us. Okay, let's look at verse 8. This is good stuff. This hymn right here is good stuff. Look at this verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he did what? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Yeah, there you go. That's obedience, isn't it? Is that humility? That's humility. First and foremost, and this is very profound, Jesus' true humility came through his obedience. His true humility came through his obedience. Servants obey, and Jesus obeyed to the, the point of death, which was the utter, the utter pit of humiliation to be on a cross. And that showed a unconditional obedience that led to his humility. We just read who he was. He gave up all the trappings of heaven. He stepped out into this earth. How can you get any more humble than that? Now, I doubt that our humility as shown through obedience will lead to our death, but you never know. I mean, you never know, right? Not to say it couldn't, but here's what I want us to get out of this. Look at this. To have the humble mindset of Jesus, my humility must lead to total obedience. Total obedience to Jesus Christ first, right? Total obedience to Jesus Christ. Natural. It's a natural state. We could call that humble crucifixion in this section of Scripture. In 11th grade, I went and worked at uh, General Tire Research and Development for a, a company that was subcontracted, a janitorial service that was subcontracted. And my buddy worked there, so I went there, and we swept floors and cleaned windows and did all that stuff, and it just the typical janitorial stuff. And I was in 11th grade, but there was a higher up there that just liked to pick on these young high school students. He liked to put us in our place every now and then. And one day, he comes to me, he says, come over here. John, drop what you're doing, please, and come over here. And so I, I walked over. He said, he said, can you show that picture? He said, do you see these? Uh, that, that's a suspension grid for drop ceiling. You know what that is, right? He said, do you see this? 
He said, well, this hallway here that goes from where I'm standing to the door back there, I want you to clean every single one of those grids. Don't get anything on the tile. Just clean the grid. And he was like just so full of himself, happy that he was making me belittle myself. That's what he was thinking. So what do I do? I'm like, sure, I'll do that. I go get a ladder. But the whole time, I'm like, arrest him, fress him. Clint, going to slice your tires. And I get out in the parking lot. And I'm like cleaning the grid. And people are walking by, snickering at me, you know. And I'll tell you what, he put me, he, he humbled me, right? But that's not what I wanted to do. I, I was humiliated. And I could lose my job if I didn't respond the way that he wanted me to respond. But what if I would have turned that around and put him in his place and served joyfully? Not, not, not to get revenge. I don't mean that way. But what if I would have turned that around and said, sure, no problem. Oh, that's not that far. I can do that. Yeah, and I won't get any on the tiles. No problem. And let that guy see that I do all things without grumbling or complaining. And we struggle with that, don't we? I was humiliated. I was mad at him. And I, <laughs> I did it. Took a few days, but I did it. But we struggle with this. Do you ever consider that obedience in many circumstances, in many instances, speaks of your humility in whatever part of your life you're looking at? Your obedience without complaining to something that your supervisor asks you to do speaks of your humility. Could Jesus have said no to his crucifixion? He could have. He could have said no. Look at this. Let's look at this verse from Matthew 26. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, right? He's getting ready to be crucified. And he knows that we just read about all the stuff that he gave up. And what did Paul say? Even humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. Jesus knows this. Look what he says. Look what it says. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup, this cup of crucifixion be taken from me. What's he say? Yet, not as I will, but as you will. He didn't want to be crucified. A Jew, you know. He was a man, don't forget. He didn't want to be crucified. What did he say? If that's what you want, Lord. If that's what you want, Father. I'll do it. And God's will was done, and Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, and his humility led to his total obedience. So, part of being raised from the pit of ashes that we sometimes find ourselves in that we're talking about here can be remedied with humility. Pride does us no good. Humbly admitting who we are, where we are, and why we're there in the pit to begin with. We don't use our position to our advantage. We make ourselves less by becoming a servant. And we let our humility lead us to be obedient in the areas that we need to be obedient in so that others might see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And if Jesus had not been obedient, then we wouldn't have a need for a Savior. I wouldn't be here right now, and you wouldn't be here either. And we must understand that humility starts with acknowledging our need for Jesus Christ's forgiveness. That's where humility starts. Acknowledging your need for a savior. You can't do this on your own. You can't get rid of your sin on your own. And God wants you to be sin free. And that's why he sent his son Jesus Christ. So we could accept the payment that he paid for us. So that God could see us as clean in his sight. And God rewarded his obedience real quick, real quick. Look what happened. Verse 9. 
God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It starts there. It starts with your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you haven't made that decision yet, we need to talk about it. That's where, that's humility. That's where obedience starts. That's humility, is understanding what Jesus did. Because we can't do it on our own. When we choose humility, we can be lifted out of the ashes and bondage of pride, and we can look more like Jesus to those hurting around us. Let's pray. Lord, so much to learn today. So much to learn. Thank you for Paul's words in Philippians, Lord, that he wrote to the church there. Thank you for the explanation of the gospel as we look at Jesus' humility. Lord, I pray that we could internalize that. I pray, Father, that people would see our humility and they would know that it comes from our relationship with you. Thank you so much for our Savior. Wow. That he would humble himself as a man step out of heaven to be crucified for me for John Wreath standing up here he did that for me how can that be Lord if there's anybody here or anybody watching at home that's not sure about that Lord let, let today be the day that they are humble enough to acknowledge Jesus that they need Jesus as their savior let today be the day just give this to you in the name of your son Amen. Why don't you stand? We hope you found this week's episode relevant and encouraging. We just want to say thanks so much for taking time to listen. And if you'd like, please feel free to share it with a family member or a friend. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Cochrane Community Church, go online and visit ccubchurch.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week. But we would love for you to join us back here next week as we continue to see what it looks like to live a countercultural lifestyle for God. And from all of us here at Cochrane Community Church, we just want to say that we pray that God blesses your faithfulness. We'll see you back here next week.